From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. So this is a, it is a very conservative court from a particularly unpopular president over a very short period of time who bring with them some decided ideological commitment. Welcome to season 10 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. On today's show, constitutional scholar and associate dean for intellectual life, Charlton Copeland, plows into the current makeup and cases before the Supreme Court of the United States. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Morning, Charlton. Good morning. Hey, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So let's talk about the Supreme Court. Um, I feel like the last uh, meeting of the Supreme Court was pretty newsworthy with some... like unbelievable things coming down. Um, And this Supreme Court seems to have like the lowest public confidence rating in history. Can you talk a little about the makeup of of this particular court? Well, um, you know, I think that this is a. um, So so there's one thing that I don't think has been uh, articulated as much. Um, We have a president who was able to appoint three justices to the Supreme court who did not win reelection. That has, um, that has not happened. Uh, I, I don't know that that's happened. It certainly has not happened in the modern history of the Supreme court right. where, where Supreme court justices have stayed longer uh, on, on, on the court. So right. There's a sense in which, these appointees were named by a president who lost the popular vote in both of the elections for which he ran for president um, uh, and was kicked out after one, one term of office, but got three seats. We had three consecutive two term presidents, none of whom appointed more than two. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that must be taken into account. Right. That that um, that on a court that uh, from the period of 1994 to 2005, there was no turnover. And there were three seats in the span of four years. Right. right? And so I think that what we're seeing is a significant uh, accounting for just the, the number of bodies that are being shifted through the cycle. Right. I think what we are accounting for also is a different kind of conservative movement. That is to say uh, the maturing of a very conservative constitutional movement within the Republican party, within conservative politics, right? This is not um, Anthony Kennedy's, um uh party okay and and right and so i think that um so this is a, it, it is a very conservative court from a particularly unpopular president over a very short period of time who bring with them some decided ideological commitments mm-hmm. and so it's been a it's it's been a real brew a perfect storm yeah yeah, yeah. 
So coming up uh, in this session, so already argued have been like the APA case, a couple mm-hmm. of redistricting mm-hmm. voting rights, um, an affirmative action case, mm-hmm. and the the web designer, and of course, pig rights in California. Right. And I would add to that. Uh-huh. The, the 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 Native American adoption case, right? So if we if we sort of draw a line around the sort of racial issues mm-hmm. that uh, have come up, voting rights, the, the 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 Native American adoption issue around tribal uh, authority and deference to to to, to tribal status, uh, and the affirmative action case, right? Those are hot button issues all. Each, each and every one. Are they all going to lean conservative? Are there going to be any more, you know, monumental Dobbs decisions? So I don't, so the, 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 I don't see a Dobbs decision. And I say that to say, I don't see a decision in which there is this kind of culture, culturally iconic precedent that might it itself be overturned. I do think that there'll be block, but there could be blockbuster decisions. That is to say, I do think that the court could chip away at section two of the voting rights act. They've hinted uh, that they were willing to do that. I think that uh, this court could in fact, to some extent or another affirm the uh, once uh far out theory of the independent state legislature, Mm -hmm. right? Those would be blockbuster. They would not, however, I think have the same significance of Dobbs, right? Because you had Roe as this monument of sorts, and then you got Dobbs that said wrong, Mm -hmm. right? These would be monumental. They would not be culturally um, uh, uh, recognizable in the same way. Okay. Right. Um, again, I think the affirmative action has been on the lifeline. And I think even friends of affirmative action in ways that I think friends of abortion did not. They thought, look, there are going to be these skirmishes. There's this deep settlement within the Republican Party, within conservative, that we're going to make a lot of noise about abortion. But maybe nobody has the guts to kind of do what the court ended up doing and does. I don't think that anybody doubted that as soon as this court had a chance to to confront affirmative action, Mm -hmm. that they might. And so even though the the students for fair admissions case is 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 likely to, to again, lean conservative and and be a kind of blockbuster, it's not going to take folks by surprise in the same way. Right. Yeah. Like the pig cases. Wow. This is an interesting case. And I, you know, I'm excited about this because I'm teaching Con Law 1 this semester. Right. And so how do you make the dormant commerce clause sexy? Right. The Supreme Court has done me a huge favor. Um, this is also one of these cases. It's about it's about the possibility of progress, so-called progressive states to use their policymaking authority to dictate terms to pig farmers in the Midwest, basically. Right. Right. And so California says, no, we want our pigs to roam free. Right. And these Midwest pig farmers are saying this is going to be costly and it's going to disrupt our capacity to do this, to to sort of, uh, you know, market our our pigs for for the California market. Um, And it raises it, you know, it raises a kind of similar question, which which, you know, has come up, hasn't come up before the Supreme Court, but has come up sort of politically. The California emissions standard. Right. Right. And so 
how many carve outs does a state that would itself be what, like the seventh or eighth largest economy in the world, if it were a country standing right. by itself, how many carve outs do they get? How much policy leverage do they have across the country? I think that, you know, that's a really interesting question, but I think it's a larger interesting question because of what we think of as a kind of increasing sense that progressives can turn to state governments and do things on that scale. Right. Yeah. Happy dead pigs. Feels like Jerry Brown's California all over. Hey, hey, this is, uh, you know, you want, you, 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 you know, you you don't want your pig to have too much fat on it. Yeah. (laughs) You wanted to work that fat out by roaming around. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, cool. Um, the anti-discrimination case, Mm. is that another one that you feel like? Cake Masters part two. Well, that, that's the thing, right? There's a there's a sense here of, um, oh God, mean people from Colorado. Well, I'm gonna say it's it's like the last twelve minutes of The Godfather, right? right? It's, it's like this is kind of like the cleanup term, right? That that last twelve minutes of Godfather uh-huh. one, where Michael says, "Look, if I'm gonna run the joint, I gotta gotta clear the table." There, there seems to be some debt clearing here. Uh-huh. Um, now, again, whether or not all of this debt clearing undermines what conservatives want in the Senate or what they want for those who are thinking about running in 2024, or, right? And so, because there is some sense that the, as you said, the last term had some real consequences for what happened this fall. Right. And for what happened, particularly in Georgia. Right. You've got an unpopular president with inflation and a kind of slowing but economy, but an economy that probably needs to slow, given what we what we what we think is going to happen. And and low approval. Right. Right. And the Democrat has now won yet another election in Georgia for the U.S. Senate. And now this time for six years. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, even in the context of the Republican candidate for governor basically winning with some ease mm-hmm. over Stacey Abrams, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was not a close race. And so you've got to believe that the Supreme Court is on the ballot in some of these races and that uh, particularly for suburban women, Dobbs and the reality of Dobbs was a huge wake-up call. hmm so I, I think that it is right to say that this might be a debt clearing term. I don't know how that'll go down among the political parts of this coalition. Right. What it'll bring out. Yeah. Yeah. So upcoming, we we have, I guess the biggest one you've already talked about a little is the the Biden's student loan forgiveness. So the student loan, the one that we haven't heard in terms of, and 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 we are, I think the DOJ has has submitted its brief, mm-hmm. um, and so we're here on appeal, right? Because the circuits have, have have dealt some 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 death blows to 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 to, to that program, um, and and just yesterday the Department of Education announced some other attempts to maneuver around whatever might happen in the Supreme Court. So even the Biden administration looks as though it is positioning itself and positioning policy 
in some sense, to try to have a policy response in place, regardless of what the Supreme Court says. But this is a huge question about presidential power. It's a, it's a huge question about unilateral presidential authority, right? I mean, this, but but again, these issues have been on the docket for at least since the the Obama administration, mm-hmm. right? You th- DACA and 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 the like. Whether that's been the travel ban in 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 the Trump administration or DACA in the in the uh, in in the Obama administration, even in this term, we've got immigration and presidential authority or presidential discretion on the on the DACA here. Um, this is a really unique case in some sense because it doesn't involve immigration. Right. Mm-hmm. It involves uh, a, a kind of domestic policy in which generally the president's authority is thought to be at its lowest. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so this is going to be a really interesting case. I don't know that on the substance. We should be surprised if the president loses what I think is the most interesting and, and, and I think problematic from from my scholarly perspective as a, mm-hmm. as a Fed courts teacher and scholar is the fact that the Supreme Court or, or the federal courts seem to think they have standing to hear this case, at least this case brought from these particular challengers. And so I do think that we've got some real interesting standing issues that are going to have to be confronted. And that's one of the arguments that the administration has made. Look, if you allow this case to be brought who can't challenge uh, uh, policy. And so that's that meaning that's going to make the courts an even more inviting place. And so it ain't over right. if, you know, it, 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 it will be it, it will open the gates, uh, I think, significantly wider to, to, to challenge um, authority and policy decisions, which only makes the courts come closer and closer to the center of of making policy, which, at least if I'm correct, some justices believe that's not where they're supposed to be. So right. we'll see. Hmm. Going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Watch this space. <laughs> well, um, I really enjoyed the last season sharing the mic with you. Uh, thank you. And I just I just want to thank you for being so gracious for, for that. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. It's to do been that. fascinating. So what do you have coming up? So this semester, we've got uh, a, a, a few conversations with with colleagues who are um, writing, and, and we've got some folks who are co-writing, including uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Michael Frumkin, who is going to be on deck writing about uh, privacy, and uh, and 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 I'm excited about that because that piece was written by uh, students mm-hmm. uh, or, or written written with students, and so it's going to be a, a a piece that's co-authored with two UM uh, law students. So that's going to be terribly exciting. We 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 just recorded a a, a conversation with my colleague Jessica Owley about Confederate monuments and and what to do with them once local governments have decided to actually remove them. Um, and, 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 and I'm still hunting around. So we're going to, I know that there's some exciting work in the building and I'm going to, as, uh, as, as, as Mrs. Uh, Dashwood said in, in, uh, one of those Jane Austen movies, I'm going to get it out of them. if I can. (laughs) Well, cool. Thank you so much for today and, and for all your help. Thank you always. All right. Be good. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us for The Explainer and a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. 
Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. Today's show is sponsored by Miami Law's 7th Annual Class Action and Complex Litigation Forum, January 26th and 27th on the Coral Gables campus. For more information, visit law.miami.edu. Thank you.